What's up, nerds, and welcome to the Nerd History Podcast, the newest addition to the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. The Nerd History Podcast exists to do what all the nerds love to do the most, talk incessantly about their favorite moments in nerd culture. Each episode, we will spotlight one particular nerd history event from that week and take a deep dive into the fandom, the lore, and the nerdy facts. I'm Radio Matt, the Director of Content and Resources for Love Thy Nerd and Station Manager for LTN Radio. And with me today and forevermore is my amazing bride, Deidre. Hi, I'm Deidre. That's all. That's her. <laughs> just Deidre. Just me. Hashtag just Deidre. <laughs> today on the show, we're going to be talking about iTunes, a program that launched 23 years ago this week. Wow. But first, today is January 8th. So let's start by taking a look at what is celebrating an anniversary today. Today, we're talking about money in the bank. Money in the bank. Uh, in 2006, WWE held the New Year's Resolution Pay-Per-View Revolution. Revolution. New Year's Revolution <laughs> Pay-Per-View, which fe featured a six-man elimination chamber match won by John Cena. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> Upon winning the match, Edge became the first man to cash in the Money in the Bank briefcase, which guarantees the holder a championship match anytime they choose to cash it in. Okay. Edge took advantage of John Cena, having been in a brutal match just moments before to take his shot, and he won the new WWE championship. <laughs> What, what am I no, doing No, 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 you did great. That was you great. You started, looking... you started, I was, I was proud. It was a moment of pride because you started storytelling there. You know? <laughs> like Edge took advantage of John Cena, having been in a brutal match just moments before to take his shot. And then you got to go and like upstage me. Great. Thanks oh, a lot. Sorry. You said it so much better <laughs> than really I did. really good though. You're, you'll get that. So to win the Money in the Bank ladder match, which is the match that you like, you have to get the briefcase. Oh, okay. So like in a previous uh -huh. pay-per-view, you win that. So there's a whole match. There's usually, I think, at least six to eight guys that participate in I'm this. trying to get it. And it is hanging above the ring. And so you got to get this giant ladder in the middle and get up there and get it. I recall this. So this requires... And you're like up getting up on the ladder and then someone smacks it down on you or uh -huh. something, right? Yeah. And it's always like <laughs> the timing for this match is one of the dumbest ones because... You have to have somebody like leap from the outside to knock them off the ladder. And so suddenly when that person gets to climb the ladder, they have no more strength ever. Every <laughs> rung is like 30 seconds. <laughs> I, I, and so, you know, he's not going to get up there. <laughs> it was like, oh, seriously, terrible. you are jumping with bursts of energy to knock people off and, and do all this. Other, but you can't muster that to win. <laughs> The match, so the ladder matches are the most non-believable matches to that. me, but still, it's fun. Uh, anyway, to win the Money in the Bank, uh, you have to climb the ladder, retrieve the briefcase. The briefcase contains a contract for the World Championship, uh -huh. um, which can be cashed in at any time within a year of winning it. Okay. One of uh, Edge was the first one to do this, first mm -hmm. one to win and to cash it in, and to also win the championship when cashing it in like successfully cashed it in wow okay uh but it is it's a gimmick that's played all year long and it's usually pretty fun um there have been occasions where like they've won it 
and then immediately done it that same pay-per-view. Oh. Like, and that's cool, too. But it's cool to have a storyline throughout the... So yeah. there's always times where... The so guy like comes in and they're gonna, the they're walking to either like threaten them or like they're really going to do it. And then someone knocks them out before they can cash it in or whatever. You like never know when it's going to happen. <laughs> but I think the most uh, famous version of this was at a WrestleMania. It was the main event pay-per-view. It was Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar, which is a match that we had seen about a dozen times at that point. And nobody wanted it to be the main event. <laughs> nobody wanted either of them to win. And Seth Rollins came in. Uh, after they had already been fighting and beat each other up, and they could, neither of them were standing in the ring at that point, he came oh in, gosh. cashed it in, and made it a triple threat match. Won the match in like <laughs> five minutes, and wow. like ended. So the person who won the main event of WrestleMania was someone not in the match originally. It's called the heist of the century. It was beautiful. <laughs> Uh, initially, the man, the Money in the Bank ladder match was part of WrestleMania, okay. so I think. Yeah, so he had, so Edge had won it a long time before, so that had been most of the year before this this uh, pay per view that he cashed in on. Uh, but it featured both Raw and SmackDown superstars. In 2010, it became its own pay per view. So now there's a whole Money in the Bank pay per view, and it's one of the more popular ones that aren't like the main four. Mm -hmm. uh, and this allowed a separate ladder match for both Raw and SmackDown superstars because they were drafted to one show during that time nowadays uh it's back to just one men's but they added a women's money in the bank match in 2017 Ooh. uh the first winner of that was carmella okay. kinda okay because she had a manager a, a guy manager who actually got the briefcase down and handed it to her <laughs> So technically, the first winner of a women's Money in the Bank match was, was a man, man. <laughs> and that was How true to today. frustrating for everybody. <laughs> Not just women; everybody hated that decision. Every single body. But since wow. then, they've had several, and they've been great. And that's all we've got for you today. Just this one. That's why I talked about it a lot. <laughs> Every day at lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory, we post an article and accompanying video spotlighting that day in nerd history with pictures, descriptions, nerdy facts, and some commentary. So make sure you start your day with lovethynerd.com. Every day. Just every day. <laughs> now it is time for a game. All right. Ooh, my turn. Each week we go head-to-head -head in a game to put our nerdy nostalgia knowledge to the test. I can't say it all together. Nerdy nostalgia knowledge nerdy nostalgia to knowledge. the test. We will ask each other five questions, all multiple choice. We will get If we get the answer wrong, we have to guess again. With each wrong answer, earning us an X. Fewest Xs at the end of the round wins. Uh, so today we're going to take a stab at some music trivia. Oh, of course. No specific category beyond yeah. music. Beat me so. down enough with the... <laughs> These questions can be from anywhere in the music world. It can be, you know, artists. It can be instruments. It can be like Beethoven, Bach era stuff. It could be anything music Dope. related. It could be okay. jingles for products. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I don't because I haven't looked at the questions. You sound like you know. <laughs> Uh, so I got to go first last week, Ooh. so I'm going to let you go first this week. Okay. Cool with that? Yes. All right, here we go. Let's Question the, the first. Who was awarded the very first gold record? Oh, Elvis Presley, Nat King Cole, The Beatles, or Perry Como? 
don't know two of those people. Oh, that saddens me greatly. <laughs> Guess which ones I do know. <laughs> uh, so we'll just say Elvis. You think it's Elvis? Even though I don't think that's it. It is yeah. not Elvis. The Beatles? Oh, I thought it was one of them. Really? Yeah. All right. Who do you think it is? Perry Como. Yay! Although there were earlier publicity stunts involving records sprayed with gold lacquer, the actual award recognized today as a gold record was first awarded to Perry Como in 1958 for his recording of Catch a Falling Star. I don't even know that song. (laughs) All right. What pop singer? Put it in your pocket. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Number two. What pop singer is known as the Material Girl? Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Madonna, or Taylor Swift? I know this one. Is it Madonna? Is it? Is that your guess? Yeah. It is! Madonna became known as the Material Girl after her hit single of the same name hit the charts in 1984. She hates it, claiming she would never have done the song if she knew the name would stick. All right. Number three. What Depeche Mode song was inspired by Priscilla Presley's book, Elvis and Me? Strange Love, World in My Eyes, Personal Jesus... Or sweetest perfection. No clue. Uh, we're, we'll go with world in my eyes. Damn. Strange love. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Personal Jesus. Yay! Personal Jesus was inspired by Priscilla Presley's book, Elvis and Me, which uh, she describes her relationship with Elvis Presley. Okay. Interesting. Uh, all right, so that's four, right? Yeah, four X's. Two more questions. Uh, I'm doing better than doing last week. Doing much better than last week. <laughs> Still going to lose, but doing better. <laughs> How much pressure do the strings in a grand piano exert on the frame? <laughs> Three tons? 30 tons? 30 pounds? 300 pounds? I'm going to go with 30 pounds. Nope. Wow. How much is a ton? A thousand pounds. So 3,000 pounds, really. Let's go with 300 pounds. What the heck? (laughs) Three tons? Wow. What? So it's 30 tons. Each string has a tension of 160 to 200 pounds, resulting in a combined force of up to 30 tons in a concert grand. So it's asking for all the strings, I guess. I was thinking individual strings, but it's all the pressure that's putting on the frame. That's what every string, all the pressure on the frame is thirty. Okay, I get it. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you're up to seven. Here's your last one. What is the oldest surviving musical instrument? A trumpet, a flute, a drum, or a lyre? I think it's lyre. I'm pretty sure it's lyre. I've always read it, Lear, but that's not saying much. Like King Lear? <laughs> I don't know. How's he spell his name? With two E's. I'm, I mean, a drum, you know, that's kind of like. I feel like that's a gimme. I feel right? like that's simple, but I'm going to say flute. 
You played flute. Yes! It is a flute. <laughs> An ancient bone flute estimated to be about 43,000 to 82,000 years old was found by Dr. Ivan Turk, a paleontologist at the Slovenian Academy of Science at the Neanderthal campsite in Lejubadubana, Slovenia, in 1998, the oldest known musical instrument. It is made of an old cave bear femur segment with four holes, two complete and two partial. Uh, how would you say that? Lejubaljana. Old. Lejubaljana. Of an old cave bear firmer segment? Femur. 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 Cave oh, bear femur segment. I thought you... So... They found a flute made of bones. Made of a cave. So they bear found bones bone. with four holes in it and said they made a flute. Well, I'm sure it's a flute. If it makes noise, it's a flute. If you can blow into it, <laughs> it's gotta be a flute. All right. All right, so that's seven for you. Not terrible. I could do much worse. All right. You ready? I'm ready. What singer holds the world record for most words in a hit single? Fifty cent? Kanye West, Eminem, Anem, Busta Rhymes, Eminem, Busta Rhymes is that Anemonemony. You remember that joke from um, that guy, Mike Birbiglia? He's all there's a guy named Busta Rhymes who every time he like does a song, he ends it by going Busta Rhymes. <laughs> like I wish I could do that every time I tell a joke. Mike Birbiglia. <laughs> Birbiglia. <laughs> uh, shoot. Who I'd have to, is it? I feel like it's going to be Eminem. Because I, I feel like there's a song where he just, the entire song is just him going. And he did it on purpose. I think so. Yeah, yo. Oh, you're right. The Detroit, it was Rap God. That's what I was thinking. The Detroit mm. rapper achieved a world record with Rap God. The six-minute track contains 1,560 words, which means that Eminem is rapping a tongue-twisting 4.28 words per second. Wow. <laughs> impressive. All right. Which jazz music musician was known for playing a bent trumpet? Chet Baker? Miles Davis? Louis Armstrong, Louis. Louis Armstrong, sorry, and Dizzy Gillespie. 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 Say it right, Adrian. Dizzy Gillespie. Um, Gill's shoot. pie is how I would say it. Gilly's pie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I don't know. I've recognized three of those names. I don't know Chet Baker. Yeah, I don't either. I'm gonna say Miles Davis. Oh, Dizzy totally Gillespie. Wrong. Dizzy Gillespie. Yeah. <laughs> On January 6, 1953, Gillespie threw a party for his wife Lorraine at Snooky's, a club in Manhattan, where his trumpet got, trumpet's bell got bent upward in an accident. He liked the sound so much he had a special trumpet made with a 45 degree raised bell, which became his trademark. That's interesting. Weird. All right, two down. Only Did it one sound X. different from regular trumpets? It must then have. at that point, Slightly. is it still a trumpet? I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Next. Which, which rapper is famous for wearing parachute pants? <laughs> Snoop Dogg. I know this one. Lauren Hill. Mm -hmm. Ice Cube. MC Hammer. MC Jeez. Hammer. After breaking into the hip hop scene in 1990 with the chart topping tune, you can't touch this. MC Hammer <laughs> became synonymous with the flashy pants, billowy trousers that droop in the crotch and taper to the lower <laughs> leg. 
<laughs> but don't call them parachute pants in his presence. I detest the term. He told Racked in 2016, they're called hammer pants. <laughs> <laughs> What hmm. did Freddie Mercury attribute his es- enhanced vocal range to? Okay. Larger lungs, lots of practice, genetics, extra teeth. So. I feel like extra teeth is the only thing I know about him. Really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. You look at pictures of him. It's like his whole mouth is like sticking out like that. <laughs> People on the audio podcast can't tell, but you know, you can picture it. You know what I'm doing. So I'm going to say extra teeth. Yeah, wow. yeah. Burger was born with four extra teeth and attributed his enhanced vocal range to this. He refused to have his teeth fixed, fearing it would affect his vocal abilities. I'm sorry, but that don't make no sense. <laughs> what was the first rock and roll song to hit number one on the charts? That's all right. Tuna fruity. <laughs> Heartbreak Hotel and Rock Around the Clock. I love Rock Around the Clock. Uh, Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, Oh, he's wrong. Tutti Frutti. Oh, he's wrong again. Rock Around the Clock. Okay. It was the one you loved. Why didn't you pick it? (laughs) I didn't think it was. The first rock and roll song hit number one was Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and his Comets. Uh, It held the top spot for eight weeks. Wow. All right. So I had one, two... Three, okay. three to seven. Right. I did slightly worse. You did slightly better. Mm-hmm. Eventually, we'll meet in the middle, and maybe you'll win. Maybe one. I'll surpass you. Give me a high Good five. Job. All right. Whatever. <laughs> Good sport. Here we go. Oh, uh, well, that does it for our game. Let's take a trip back to 2001. 2001. In 2001, Apple launched iTunes. iTunes is a media player media library, internet radio broadcaster, and mobile device management application that revolutionized the music industry by offering a digital platform for buying and organizing music, (laughs) paving the way for the era of digital music consumption. Good job. (laughs) I think... That was great. So I was reading to our kids before we came in here. Mm. I think that helped me. Like, warm me up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Reminded me how to read. It did. (laughs) Give us pie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Apple based its initial release of iTunes uh, on a program called Sound Jam MP. Uh, It was developed by Bill Kincaid, released by Cassidy and Green in 1999. Apple purchased the program from those two in 2000, and at the time, Kincaid, Jeff Robin, and Dave Heller left Cassidy and Green to continue developing the program as Apple employees, so they left their own company to join Apple. Uh, At Apple, the developers simplified SoundJam's user interface, added the ability to burn CDs, and removed the program's recording feature and skin support, like where you change the, the look of it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apple released version 1.0 of the program under the new name iTunes on January 9th, 2001 at Macworld San Francisco. Macintosh users immediately began poking through iTunes resource fork where they discovered numerous strings uh, and other resources that indicated that iTunes was just a re-engineered sound jam MP. Uh, <laughs> Cassidy and Green ceased distribution of that program on June 1st of 2001 uh, at the request of the developers. So we have a few special facts here. Would you like to read those? I would love to. (laughs) (laughs) The first song ever sold on iTunes was The Wait by the band. (laughs) Are these real things? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Was the song by the artist. Purchased by Steve Jobs himself. Less than five years later, in February 2006, iTunes sold its billionth song. Wow. The song was Speed of Sound by Coldplay, and the purchaser received a call from Steve Jobs along with a special prize package. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Good song, too. Right? Right. Uh, In 2008, iTunes introduced the Genius feature, which could automatically create playlists from a user's library based on a selected song, showcasing Apple's early steps into machine learning and personalized recommendations. Ooh. As in, like, early AI. Right, kinda. right, yeah. 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 Ah, we're learning already. <laughs> we're learning! <laughs> <laughs> in 2014, U2's album Song of In- Songs of Innocence was automatically added to the iTunes library of over 500 million users, making it one of the most widely distributed albums ever. But it was not a well-received move. So we're going to dive a little deeper into that. So okay. this is this is one of the things that I remember greatly about this time. So Bono actually wrote a, a memoir and talked about this time. So we have some excerpts from his memoir. Okay. Uh, and we're just going to read what he said. So uh, he wrote, Free music, asked Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, with a look of mild incredulity. Are you talking about free music? Ten years had gone by since the Vertigo ads that YouTube did for uh, Apple for iTunes. Like it was those. It was back when Apple uh, was doing the. It was like a color background, and then the person was dancing or whatever. But it was just a shadow of them, the silhouette of them. Do you remember those ads? No. Okay. Well, they went on for a while, and then they did it with you too, and it was like clear it was Bono, but it was still just their outline. Oh, okay. Okay. So gotcha. they did those for Vertigo. Uh, so when it continues on, when we were in the office of Cupertino, California, Guy Oseri, our new manager, me, Eddie Q, and Phil Schiller, and we had just played the team some of the songs uh, from the new Songs of Innocence album. You want to give this music away for free? But the whole point is that we're trying to do what we're trying to do at Apple is to not give away music free. The point is to make sure musicians get paid. No, Bono said, I don't think we give it away for free. I think you pay us for it and then you give it away for free as a gift to people. Wouldn't that be wonderful? (laughs) Tim Cook raised an eyebrow. You mean we pay you for the album and then just distribute it? I said, yeah, like when Netflix buys the movie and gives it away to subscribers. Tim looked at me as if I were explaining the alphabet to an English professor. <laughs> but we're not a subscription organization. Not yet, I said. Let ours be the first. Tim was not convinced. There's something not right about giving away your art for free, he said. And this is just to people who like you too? Well, I replied, 
I think we should give it away to everybody. I mean, it's their choice whether they want to listen to it or not. But what was the worst that could happen? It would be like <laughs> junk mail, wouldn't it? Like taking our bottle of milk and leaving it on the doorstep of every house in the neighborhood. Not quite true. On, on 9 September 2014, we didn't just put our bottle of milk at the door, but in every fridge, in every house in town. In some cases, we poured it on the good people's cornflakes. And some people like to pour their own milk, and others are lactose intolerant. As one social media wisecracker put it, woke up this morning to find Bono in my kitchen, drinking my coffee, wearing my dressing gown, reading my paper. Or a less kind, the free YouTube album is overpriced. <laughs> I, uh, you know, if I wrote that yeah. as like a, you know, and then he saw it thing, in the book. and I see that Bono saw it, I would be so, I'd feel and bad. your name is quoted right after it. Oh feel, man. Feel a bad. Uh, <laughs> so apparently it was a failure. Like people hated it. People hated not having the choice. The okay. album, you know, who cares if it was good or not at that point? <laughs> it wasn't their best album, but even you two fans were like, huh, let me. Let me make the choice. Don't force it on me. It felt like the start of something bad. Huh. It felt like if they do this once, what's going to stop them They're from forcing keep doing it. to put crap right. in my iTunes that I don't want? Uh -huh. And what was bad is that when they did it, it wouldn't allow you to remove it. Oh, that is. It was a permanent thing. That is weird. And so when they were getting all this backlash about it, they had to create a special tool that you would utilize to remove it from your library. Wow. <laughs> but apparently Tim Cook took it in stride, uh, you know, saying that they talked to, talked them into ex in the, an experiment and they ran with it and it may not have worked, but Apple has to experiment because the music business in its present form at the time was not working for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so like you, uh, Bono says, that's, that's why Steve Jobs picked Tim Cook to take on the leadership of Apple because, you know, he wanted to do something different. He wanted to solve problems. And even if they went wrong, he took the responsibility. Like he was an upstanding guy cool. in that situation. So I think it's really cool, but it was a, it was a <laughs> mistake. It was a big mistake. Oh, <laughs> I'm glad everybody seems to be understanding of that. Right. At least Bono's like ungrateful jerks. Nothing like that. He's just like, look, mea culpa. So sorry. Shouldn't have done that. Thought it would be a fun idea. Oh, Realize we were intruding into your lives. Uh, the success of iTunes is often attributed to its integration, uh, integration with the iPod. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, creating a seamless ecosystem. ecosystem. I can't Ego say consonants today. Ecosystem. For digital music consumption that was revolutionary at the time. Uh, and... Like, do you remember, I looked this up for images to use here, and you're already seeing it on the screen, uh, but there are, not you. Okay. <laughs> like, the people Matthew's watching the show. crazy. Later. I don't see anything on the screen. Huh? Oh. <laughs> Take a guess how many songs you could put on the first iPod. Oh. Which they already know. A hundred? No. Like way more? Way more. Okay, I didn't know. <laughs> but now it's now the answer. It's a thousand. <laughs> I was going to say a thousand, I thought. 
Nah, could they do that? But much? I mean, like, they have that much room. Just with when we had, we bought the fifth generation iPod, the first one that did video. Yes. And that that could hold like eighty thousand. Like it was crazy, A crazy amount of music. Like you'd never fill it up. Right. <laughs> like I think even the iPod Shuffle that we got held more than a thousand. Mm-hmm. Not sure, but I felt like it did. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so. As the iPod advanced, so did iTunes. They began selling movies and TV show episodes as well, which, of course, kind of paved the way for the iPhone mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. smartphones. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in honesty, iTunes is largely responsible for the smartphone landscape I that we have that. today. You had a little screen yeah, and you watched and they were like, you also have a little phone. And mm-hmm. how about we just make them all one thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see so that. So we had that first one. Uh, <laughs> this was when I was working at my uh, my granddad's radio station. And there was a season where I had very little to do. <laughs> very little to do. I was kept on because I was minimum wage work that they needed to fill in jobs occasionally. Eventually, I was doing almost everything at the radio station. Mm-hmm. About three full-time jobs for minimum wage all at once. Yeah. Rose one one minimum wage. <laughs> in responsibility, but not pay. Yeah. <laughs> but initially I had very little to do. And so I took that um I took that video iPod every day and had it just sitting on my desk, had this little flip case thing that would stand it upright. The screen is like, you know, <laughs> it's a two inch screen. Right. You know, diagonally across. And I was watching, I remember I would watch old Power Ranger episodes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I would watch the show where parents pranked their kids. Okay. A prank show, but wholesome. I feel like that was like a lot of crying or something. No, it wasn't a lot of crying. It was very good natured (laughs) stuff. It was goofy stuff. It was fun. And uh, there was one like serious show that I don't remember. I don't know if it was House or something like that, but it was something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But like that's just all I did. It wasn't a whole lot of selection to begin with. Right. But it grew. And so you would also kind of say that might have been the start of streaming services as well around mm-hmm. that time. Is, you mm-hmm. know, when Netflix was starting to do that same thing right? Uh, around that time uh, going into streaming. It's so, I mean, your it's, fault. Apple really did. Yeah. I don't. I don't love Apple. We have to buy all these different services. <laughs> right. It's your fault. I don't love Apple as a company or a brand. <laughs> but I gotta say, they were killing it during this period. <laughs> uh, in 2019, Apple announced the end of iTunes as a standalone brand, integrating its functionalities into separate apps wow. uh, for music, for podcasts, and for TV. Uh, Apple Music became the primary music service. This ironically makes Apple one of the last companies to join in the music streaming business, <laughs> despite laying the groundwork for the digital music industry as That's a whole. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so essentially what this meant is you don't buy the music anymore. iTunes allowed you to purchase the music, usually 99 cents a song. Right. And they kept that, I think, for a long time. Um, but... Now you now pay, you for, pay the for the streaming. streaming which, right. Yeah. And same thing with the TV fun. app. They have Apple TV now. Mm-hmm. And the podcasts are free, of course. But So am I a weird person that I listen to all my music through YouTube? Not now. I don't think so. Even YouTube has YouTube music now because yeah. people were doing that so much. Yeah. And frankly, 
you could listen to anything for free on YouTube almost. Like almost every album gets put on YouTube right. for free right. by the artists. Anytime anyone's ever been like, have you heard this song? Or, yeah. You want to sing this song? Yeah. <laughs> That's usually what it is. It's harder to make playlists. And I it's harder for it to... on YouTube and listen to it from YouTube. And I mean, the commercials can be a pain in the butt. But yeah, you could do it. Well, now we easily. pay for no commercials. We do. Yeah, yeah, so. Anyway. <laughs> We took a poll. Uh, we went to the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community uh, and took a poll about uh, the question is simply, do you remember your first experience with iTunes circa 2001? What were your initial thoughts? We got a couple responses. Uh, our friend Tristian said, I used it as my music player for many years. It was simple and easy to use, but now I use it mainly for backing up my phone. Um, I mean, that's essentially, yeah. I think the program is still available to use just it's not supported anymore there's no updates oh, you know, right. there's nothing that's gonna no fixes gonna eventually gonna, just yeah, eventually it'll just crap out mm -hmm. uh, right. your phone doesn't work with it anymore right yeah. probably what's gonna that happen. Will happen soon i'm sure <laughs> james said uh, they want me to rent music temporarily and not have the physical assets i mean even before streaming that is kind of what that was mm -hmm. that's why anytime i bought music I would buy enough to burn onto a CD and then burn it onto a CD. You remember we ha we still have it somewhere. Oh, gosh. A case just full of collections of music. <laughs> Collection. I think I have up to like 40 of them. Each each one with like 15 songs on it. So All of many. them random. So many. <laughs> None of them make so any many. sense. Uh, but yeah, we, we have, they're, up like in the they're here. Yeah. We closet. have them, we have them stored, <laughs> <somewhere>. yeah. <laughs> but I, I get that. I get that idea. And I really feel it now with the streaming services. Like there's no more physical media, right? Like mm -hmm. this is that there was the, I don't know, the world economic forum or something where some guy said in the future, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Oh. This is the start of that. Ooh. We don't own any of these shows. We don't own any of the music that we're streaming. Mm -hmm. All of this is rented. Right. Just like he says, renting temporarily and not having the physical assets. So uh -huh. there's pros and cons, but I get that. I like yeah. having... It took forever for us to get rid of our DVD collection. It did. Because we spent so much time and money building it over 10 years. Right. Now you're like, and then we yeah. have all. Now we have the streaming services, not all of them, but we have enough of the streaming services that we don't even have a DVD player yeah, anymore. Yeah, we don't. Mm -mm. And so, we're like, all right, well, let's give these away to people that don't have the streaming services anymore. But it hurt. It hurt a little bit. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Lisa said, "iTunes 2001 was the days of Winamp, man." <laughs> so Winamp <laughs> was the program that you download on your PC. Uh, okay. And you could you could save MP3s and stuff to it. You could also just put a CD in, and it would play. You know, it would do that. And I think you could rip and stuff. But that was the one that had the different skins. You could change it to different skins. Ooh, sorry. And uh, make it look all weird or gross, and all kinds of download different ones. Like it was it was crazy customizable. Uh, weird but that's and gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were some gross ones. There were some okay. zombie-looking ones and stuff like that. <laughs> Uh, the PC did not actually get iTunes until late 2003, so it was a couple years later before PC got the iTunes program. Typical. Uh, typical not really, though, because, again, one of the reasons I hate Apple mm -hmm. is because they are notorious to gatekeep all their stuff and not make it work. The fact that they did it within two years. <laughs> that's pretty good. I feel like that's that's <laughs> they deserve a pat on the back, and I think it was a good move for them. Yeah. 
the the idea that each song was 99 cents mm-hmm. was dangerous for me. Mm-hmm. And this started even before. I wonder how much of our money you spent on <laughs> iTunes. So much. <laughs> Way more than you want to know. Maybe not as much as Especially I spent on back then. Maybe like, not as much as I spent on these pops. Yeah, but uh-huh. way too much uh-huh. for back then. Yeah, for sure. When we were when we were just married and Poor had very kids. little money. Oh, it's just a dollar. <laughs> so I remember I remember having it on my computer when I lived with my parents before we before I moved out before we got married, and you would download it and it would take like thirty minutes for a track <laughs> one track to download. Wow. It was so long. And so then I remember we moved into the married dorms at our college, which had like a high speed network mm. and it was like two minutes. <laughs> and I was blown away. I remember being that was the thing I loved the most two about that minutes. day. I'm like, did you see how fast this new Toby Mac song just downloaded? Oh my gosh. We're gonna listen to so much music. <laughs> but it was so dangerous being 99 cents because you're like, yeah, okay, just a couple yeah, bucks, a yeah. couple bucks uh-huh. here, a couple yeah, bucks there. there we go. My mother <laughs> currently oh my gosh. is feeling the same pain with the Timu app, which those of you who don't know, it's cheap knockoff crap from China. That is very, very cheap. Oh my and my mom's like, wow, shirts for the grandkids. They're only like $2 a piece. That's great. Oh Suddenly gosh. we have 50 new pieces of clothing in our house so and nice. my mother has run out of all of her money for the month. <laughs> <laughs> that is the kind of dangerous stuff. <laughs> that if you don't pay attention, immediately all your money's gone. Yeah. And I, I re- really recall many times being like, okay, I have spent $50 when, again, when that was a whole lot of money That's to a lot us. Of money back then. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did that many times. Luckily, I don't think you ever yelled at me about it. So. I probably had no idea. <laughs> I cooked the books. <laughs> uh, well, that's going to wrap up this week's look at Apple iTunes. Do you use iTunes? Or, <laughs> I said that. Or did? Did you? <laughs> not, not anymore. <laughs> Do you? Did? Dang it! I said. It. <laughs> Did you use iTunes? Do you miss it now that it's gone? Did you realize it was uh, such a big piece of today's tech? Did you like that free YouTube album? YouTube. YouTube album. We want to know. Tell us on the social. <laughs> I hate this. You said it in the exact same spot last week. <laughs> Uh, tell us on the socials at at nerd history <laughs> <laughs> at nerd history LTN. I don't know why this is so funny. <laughs> oh man. Also, side note, it is incredibly hard for anybody to say the band name U2 ever since YouTube came out. U2, like your mouth just automatically yeah. wants to go boop. Yeah, automatically. <laughs> channel or on spotify <laughs> apple podcasts 
etc. And find us on lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistorypod. Oh my oh. gosh. And we also have our daily Today in Nerd History short, an article that comes out every day at lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory with photos and nerdy facts. <laughs> oh. oh no. Did you hear that? Yes. <laughs> I totally did. We just received a message from the nerd future. Tur, tur, tur. Oh, let's read this message. On September 29th, 2030, Elon Musk's Neuralink is implanted in its 100 millionth user. Whoa. To celebrate, they're rolling out a new feature where you can set selected music tracks to play in reaction to brain chemical levels. If your serotonin levels dip due to sadness, it will play your favorite upbeat songs directly inside your brain to cheer you up. If your heart rate is too elevated, it'll play calming lo-fi beats to soothe you. It can even play music to wake you up in the morning. To hit snooze, all you have to do is bang your head on your bedside table. What a world we're going to live in, dude. I can't wait for you to do that seven times every morning. <laughs> Bam! Stupid. Why don't I just set the alarm one time when I want to get up? Maybe that'll change your habits. Nope. We'll be, <laughs> we'll be back next week as we travel back in time to another event to celebrate in nerd history. Once again, I'm Radio Matt. And I'm Daedra. And remember, in the past, present, and future, Jesus loves you, nerds.